Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What another beautiful day in the neighborhood. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Man, I am so happy to be alive, to be redeemed by the Lord, have the opportunities that's set before me today. I hope you woke up filled with joy, ready to serve the Lord, praising God, embracing the opportunities that he has set before you on this day. Whether you're going into your workplace, perhaps you're coming home from work, perhaps you, uh, uh, um, you know, you're, <coughs> excuse me, a stay-at-home mom or dad, uh, whatever it is, that you are engaged in today, having your eyes set on the Lord, there are opportunities set before you. And it is only through Christ that you will find those opportunities, that you will be able to step into those opportunities. And by stepping into those opportunities with your eyes set on the Lord, you are in a position to receive the fullness of God's blessings in your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, that is just, that's an awesome thing to think about. Today, today we are going to turn to uh, Colossians chapter 1. You see, it's the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul and Timothy. Um, the, Paul has written this letter to as he, prays, as he phrases it, God's holy people in Colossae. He's writing to the believers. To, in fact, he says to God's holy people in Colossae, those, uh, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Always to be the encourager, not just to encourage, uh, but to teach you ever notice that Paul teaches and encourages in the same sentences, even when he admonishes people in correction, he is also the encourager. How amazing is that? What a great example we find in the Apostle Paul. But as we look in this, this first chapter of uh, Colossians, and, and let me suggest this to you, brothers and sisters, uh, these epistles, as they're known, um, they're letters, Colossians being one of those. They were letters. And when we receive a letter from Grandma or, or Great Uncle Harold or something, uh, we don't read just a couple sentences of the letter and then put it down to come back to it later. We read the entire letter. We read it in its entirety. In today's modern era, uh, emails are a big thing. Um, texts or another thing, messages on, on social media, but we don't read just one or two words and then come back later and read a few more and come back the next day and read a couple more. We read it in its entirety. So my suggestion to you, dear brothers and sisters, is even though we are going to just break out just a small portion of Colossians today, um, as we examine our topic for the day, go back, read the whole letter. No matter what epistle you choose, just read the whole letter. Read it from the beginning to the end, just like a letter is meant to be read. Can you imagine if uh, the church and 
in Colossae had received this letter from Paul and, and stood up in excitement. Picture this. They're all gathered around in, in uh, I don't know, uh, Fred's house out there in Colossae. All these believers are gathered around. We've got a letter from Paul. We have a letter from Paul. Listen, listen, let's read this letter. And they read the first five sentences of it. And then he folds it up. And he says, now next time we get together, we'll read the next five sentences. And we'll continue on with this until we have read the entire letter. It just sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? But that's what we do all the time when we read these epistles. We don't just read them in their entirety as they were written in. We read them just a few sentences at a time. That's just a, a tidbit there I want to throw out. So as we go here, uh, and we, we're going to skip down here real real quick because I, there's actually a, a point I want to get to. Um, we're going to jump all the way down to, to verse 9, and Paul says, for this reason, and he's, he's talking about all the, the encouragement that he was giving to the Colossians. He says, since, for this reason, in verse 9, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his faithfulness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to, the, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the, the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, I just love, I love Love, love, love the passion and the, the depth of understanding and passion that is, that is just uh, woven in these letters from the apostles. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So the point I want to make out of all this and I want to extract from all of this is the sufficiency of Christ in our life. 
as a believer, he is sufficient. He's not just sufficient for my faith, for my salvation. He is the very author of life. He is uh, uh, the, 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 the image of the invisible God. He is, uh, has authority over all things. In fact, Paul writes, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. Paul goes on to write that uh, God was pleased to have all his fullness, the fullness of the the fullness of God, the, the totality of God to dwell in Jesus the Christ. How amazing is that? Now, from that comes sufficiency. Sufficiency in, in my finances, I find that in Christ. The completeness, that's what I'm talking about. The completeness, the fullness, the totalness, the, the, it is sufficient. My health. That sufficiency needs to come from Christ. My finances, that sufficiency must come from Christ. If Christ has decided, determined that, that this, is, this is my, my level of economic living, then I have to find my sufficiency in that. Otherwise, I'm clinging to, to the old man. I'm clinging to the worldly man. I'm clinging to the one who, who, who could not find salvation on his own. I'm clinging to my past, uh, to the temporal man. We need to look at our sufficiency in Christ. But Mickey, how do I find my sufficiency in Christ, especially when we talk about uh, the sufficiency in my finances? You set your everything, your eyes, your heart, your spirit, you set it all on Christ. That doesn't mean you quit your job and sit still as a monk sitting uh, somewhere and, and say, I have nothing to do but, but contemplate Christ and, and I, nothing else needs to be done. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, yes, you need to live your life. You need to function in this world. But understand, your, your finances don't come from your employer. Your finances come from Christ. Your, 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 your financial sufficiency is not your credit rating. Your financial sufficiency is Christ. And uh, I have a wonderful friend. I'm almost out of time, but I want to share this quick story. I have a wonderful friend as they went out to dinner at a restaurant one time. Uh, in, that, in that wonderful uh, walking of faith, and they were about to, you know, uh, they wanted to leave a check uh, for a tip for the, the, the waitress. Um, and, and not that all, not that all wait staff is deserving, but it's not an issue about deserving now, is it? It's an issue about being a blessing. And, and they, she, the wife handled the checkbook and she just said, you know, I, I, I'm praying. And I feel like God wants me to just empty our checking account in this tip. And her husband agreed and, and they wrote the check for every penny they had in their checking account and gave it to the waitress as a tip. 
talk about looking for your sufficiency in Christ. The point is, everything about us, our well-being, our welfare, everything about us as a believer is found in Christ and not apart from Christ. Think about it. Be blessed and be the blessing. Hallelujah.